Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Greetings, comrades. And welcome to the Eastern Border. Recently, while checking on the news to bring you, I stumbled upon an interesting section in the site of the official Ministry of Defense of Russia. See, they, just like every Ministry of Defense, they also publish their own educational magazines and everything. And, um, yeah, apparently their institute that prepares young soldiers and everything has um, published a book about the war, which is basically a guideline to um, how soldiers should do their everyday lives and why are they fighting in this war and everything. So, I decided that, of course, I had to take a look at this. And, um, well, I'll just let the intro speak for itself. The book was written, apparently, by veterans of the Afghan War and North Caucasus War and everything. And um, this whole thing is authored by one Razumov, A. N. Kryukov, and Kuznetsov. The book is called I Live, I Fight, I Win. Rules of Everyday Life in War. And now from the intro, quote, This is a collection of recommendations based on the generalized experience of combatants in Afghanistan, North Caucasus, and Ukraine. The presentation of this book is a bit different than the usual ones presented to cadets. This book has deep knowledge of the problematics exhibited within, brevity, accessibility for understanding, and clarity of presentation. This collection is intended for military personnel of the armed forces of the Russian Federation taking part in the special military operation in Ukraine, for conscripts, cadets of military training institutions, and employees of various law enforcement agencies. Basically, this book is, if you know what Warhammer 40,000 is, it's Imperial Infantryman's Uplifting Primer. If you don't know, then that's just a, you know, standard issue guidebook for soldiers, for this special military operation, as they call it. And it's great in every sense of the word. Contains advice both from practical to ideological. And it doesn't, you know, mince words about it at all. And I just decided that, um, just to catch a small break from what I do usually, wanted just to bring this to your attention. And the book already starts with, what do you do if you got the summons? What to take to the recruiting station? And uh, interestingly enough, in the whole affair with uh, Russia being under-equipped and under-supplied and with the logistics being terrible and even with how their mobilization is going, the very first advice that they give is, quote, Do not panic. Do not believe the rumors and fools who claim that everything from a helmet to body armor must be purchased on your own. 
Don't burden your family with unnecessary expenses. Everything you need, you will receive at the place of conscription. At the big office, that is. Well, <laughs> clearly, we're in for a good start. However, that's just the intro. The first part of the book is really explaining, as well, many people want to know, what is this special military operation, as they call it, and why do people even fight? And the book has, like, clear paragraphs. Something that, apparently, instructors can point at in clear sections. It's not a very long book, it has only, like, 64 pages. But the paragraphs are clearly numbered and in bold. And the very first one is, what is a special military operation? Now, sadly, I do have to make you feel disappointed already. Because the answer given is that um, the politics have basically called what we're doing in Ukraine special military operation. Out of, you know, the viewpoint of international rights, it's kind of like that, yeah. But for everyone who participates in it, it's a real war with blood and everything associated with it. More specifically, with blood, pain, tears, and, uh, you know, happiness of victories. And there's paragraph number two, ominously named Great Patriotic War 2.0. And, uh... This is another great one. Quote, It is enough to look at the list of countries which have declared sanctions against us and who are helping the Ukrainian regime. Germany, Poland, Czech Republic, Croatia, Norway, Denmark, Japan, Italy. They all fought against us. Today, in Ukraine, they are having vengeance at Russia for our great victory. This means, for us, this is a continuation of the Great Patriotic War. And we, like our grandparents in the 45th, we just have to win. Now, um, noticing that, you know, people who might have known something about World War II, you might have noticed that, um, yeah, out of all these countries, uh, some of them were actually parts of the Allies, but uh, not like anyone really cares about this fact, but whatever. Point three is something that really, really will bring joy to everyone who's listened to my show for the past months, really. Three, in Ukraine, we defend Russia. This is the standard claim. Quote, Ukraine as a state does not exist. There is only the territory of the former USSR, which has been temporarily occupied by the band of terroristic criminals. And uh, this one goes out to everyone uh, in the United States and other countries who will get mentioned next, because, yeah. <clears throat> All power in Ukraine is concentrated there, in the hands of the citizens of Israel, United States, Great Britain, and others, who are now organizing a genocide of the indigenous people, who had uh, <clears throat> cut down the amount of population during this, uh, <clears throat> and they put this in air quotes, independence, they've cut down and exterminated 20 million people. To survive there, that is in Ukraine, people, like some time ago, black people in the United States, for miserly payments, work in European plantations. And uh, to make this even worse, and like I said, this is why I mentioned this, this is a serious book, all right? This is Ministry of Defense. Okay, strap on, this is going to be great. Mm. The public houses of Europe are full with young Ukrainian ladies, and the men, they are forced to fight against Russia. This war, United States and Europe want to wage until the last Ukrainian. They do not need people. They need territory and resources. This is the same future that they have prepared for us. This is why, fighting in Ukraine, we are defending Russia and saving Ukrainian citizens from genocide, 
which has been uh, enacted upon them by the evil Ukrainian politicians and also the Western politicians. However, you know, this does not really explain why um, why you have to shoot Ukrainians to save them and, and why to invade them and, and anything like that, but um, they kind of move on to this point. But they also explain this dual mentality that I've been mentioning on the show about the fact that how can they be a brotherly nation at the same time and evil Nazis? Ah, here we go. Quote, Who are Ukrainians? Not so long ago, 96.7 Ukrainians were actually Russians. In 30 years, where they have been independent, they have been denied normal education, culture, their own language, and uh, they have been turned into miserable Russophobes. But there is something left in them from the with Russians. They, just like us, have been educated on their grandparents who have defeated fascism, they are brave warriors, and all that whatnot. This is a quite a long one. But uh, basically... They are Russians who have been cheated. And this means that they must be killed and exterminated until our own victory. Because then they will apparently, well, basically turn back into Russians. Yes, it makes no sense, but uh, hold on. We're just at the point five of this bizarre book. Thankfully, starting from the point five, the book kind of um, gives off its propaganda vibes and turns on to more practical situations, although again, I don't know how exactly will they be useful, but still. Because uh, then they start talking about, mm, quote, the special strategies of the Ukrainian army. Now, obviously, the West gets blamed because, quote, West that has been preparing Ukraine for 30 years to fight against Russia has understood that in fair fight, we can't be defeated. So they have chosen the most sneaky and uh, cunning and unfair of strategies. Just like Hitler's troops, who organized a um, emergency defense system in various various villages, so do Ukrainians. They have internet and cables which allow them to do surveillance in online format, and this allows also to give them commands and uh, organize their artillery fire. And then they speak about all the drones and everything, and um, how all of this is basically just unfair because apparently and this is the next point ukrainian tactics is fight and flight and uh, another glorious thing upon uh, seeing noticing russian troops the ukrainian soldier only needs to push uh, with a finger in the screen of his tab so that the coordinates of his target would go to the united network of the combat leadership i'm sorry this is um Yes, some words of this are really weird, and I try to translate this as much as I can, but it's just bizarre. So basically, they're stating that coordinating your artillery is cheating, and that everyone does that. Now, I kind of wish it was true, because in my own experience when I was there, sadly, that is uh, not the case. But, um, you know, it is what it is. Apparently, evil Ukrainians are cheating by not just using sticks and stones. And now, well, obviously, with such unequal terms, the next few sections are there to basically explain the Russian soldier, in very simple terms, how to not become a casualty. Those are quite simple ones, because, uh, you know, this is a pretty long section, I'll just skip some of it. Basically, you always have to wear your armor and your helmet, and that you must always be disciplined and not get drunk. This drunkenness part, yes, it's 
well, stipulated up there that it's among the reasons why, well, casualties happen outside of combat. Then there's also how to move around and everything, but um, pretty practical. These things are basically things that you could hear anywhere. Like, um, quote, in a march or when you're advancing, keep distance between cars no less than 20-30 meters. This lowers mass losses from highly accurate weapons for about 90%. (sighs) Every officer who puts any vehicle closer to each other than 20 meters is, and I quote here, a fool and a saboteur. It's stuff like that. And there's also parts about, well, constant surveillance, being organized, and that you should always move in squads of three. I wanted to add, well, just because one knows how to read, one knows how to write, and the third one's there to look at the two intellectuals, but uh, no, no, it's apparently so that one of them can rest while the other two keep guard or something. It's a very kind of lot to ask from people in war zones where, you know, people tend to die actively. But uh, not to be confused, as confusing as this book is, immediately after this, there's a note to commander. This is basically a short note and instructions about how um, you should be respectful to your soldiers, but never let them feel that you're weaker than them, because otherwise you'll lose respect. However, the interesting part of this is, again, I really would like to hear your comments on, especially those of you who are veterans, about how these situations are solved in other armies, but um, the first advice for any commander, and this is meant to be like a lieutenant or, 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 a, or a sergeant or something like that, is this, quote, Commander, remember... Your duty in your task is to lead the fighting, lead the everyday life, and lead the relationships among your unit. And to be a good commander, you need to kill the warrior in yourself and uh, raise a leader. First of all, throw out your ammo from your backpack. Leave two magazines for your AK and a few grenades. This'll be enough to stand for yourself and uh, exterminate any any feelings that you might have for taking on the enemy by your own hands. I guess this is kind of true, except I uh, really didn't understand the point about, you know, two hand grenades. I mean, what if one of them gets stolen or something? Again, please, leave us a comment about the situation, because I'm definitely not an expert on this one, but uh, all in all, it seems to be quite weird for an instructional book. Then, you know, after the commander's section, they, for some reason, move back to the survival parts. This is kind of interesting because this section is all about how you should blend in, how to use camouflage, and how to, you know, not run around waving your arms. No, literally. This uh, states that you should only move when prepared and always keep your hands close to your body. But if all this situation, the most interesting part is... um, a quote about how you shouldn't probably go where other soldiers are. Because all of this, you know, has been about artillery fire and how Ukrainians kill you just like in a video game or something. I wish someone would explain to me if such a thing even exists, but I highly doubt that this unified poke something exists even when NATO does stuff, but uh, whatever. Quote about survival. And further, active movement of cars and people in the uniforms, give out location of the headquarters, warehouses, dining rooms, places of congestion of personnel. And this is a priority target for enemy artillery. Avoid such places near the front, and do not go there without necessity. 
Yeah, well, you know, probably shouldn't go to the war without necessity. You probably shouldn't start one without necessity as well, but, you know, it is what it is. Basically, you know, the young soldier gets told that, hey, it's winter outside, but uh, going to the barracks when you don't need to sleep? Oh, no. That is clearly gonna get you a blast in the face of the artillery fire. Another interesting thing is that, of course, they also try to justify their war crimes and how, you know, they've been actively policing and shooting everyone who could take a picture of them, because, you know, artillery fire. The fact that random people just go out on the street and might be not even filming them or anything, yeah. Well, here's a justification for that in a section called We Don't Need Such Cinema. Quote, Besides uh, drones and other sources of surveillance, our enemy actively uses video surveillance of the personnel, from cameras on the roads to smartphones for the school kids. And then there's a description about the situation, about how this is cinema, and they try to be funny, but it's really not. Interestingly enough, well, well, what do you do when you spot someone trying to take a picture of you and, uh, you know, spotting you, no matter really who it is, because they don't specify. Quote, If you spot someone filming you, someone um, looking suspicious near you, they should be immediately destroyed in all possible means that you have in your hand. Every camera of uh, video surveillance needs to be destroyed by cutting the, the electrical wires. But of course, you know, quote, what to do with the school kids with smartphones? Well, you know, uh, for starters, ask them the camera to take a look at it and quote-unquote, accidentally break it on the asphalt. After five or six such mm, looking at things, any attempts to film you will immediately stop. So, yeah, you know, just uh, if you spot someone, even remotely looking that they might be staring in your direction, don't ask who they are. You know, don't bother. The Geneva Convention, other things, yeah, who cares? Just blast them with everything you got. Nothing can and will go wrong in this case. And yeah, I did mention the Geneva Convention because they continue on with this situation. They basically state that um, just because, obviously, every action of protest, disobedience and everything is strictly organized from the command centers of uh, the Ukrainian army, this means that uh, according to some sort of Geneva Protocol, they are definitely spies and everything. Long story short, according to this book, you can just shoot them and there's like, you know, nothing's gonna happen to you, and they mention some documents that don't really exist, or whatever. First additional protocol to Fourth Geneva Convention. They claim that this means that everyone, every local, who does photos and videos of your positions are potential spies, and this means that in the combat you can just shoot them. Note, there is really no such document as the first additional protocol to the Fourth Geneva Convention. This is just made up whole cloth, but whatever. They just basically state that, yeah, yeah, shooting is fine, you know, a bunch of documents will get us through. But there's an excuse why not to do this. And it's uh, another thing that kind of makes you wonder about how this war is totally going in general. Quote, but shooting at an armed people is not our method. There are tens of ways how to establish the status quo without lethal end. The important thing is to act quickly, decisively, and uh, with laughter, which is so characteristic to our people. Yeah, I just, I just imagine how, you know, 
in uh, previous paragraphs and all this book you've been told to basically shoot at everyone. And now, you know, just have a laugh at it, as you should, really. Yeah, but weirdly enough, um, although quite a lot of this book is actually dedicated how to survive on this stuff. I'm skipping over all the practical tasks you should do when under artillery fire, the casualty rates of artillery fire, how to avoid mines and all that stuff, because it's long and it's probably basic instructions everywhere. Quite a lot of this stuff is actually meant to, you know, shoot at everyone who's filming you. However, they themselves, well, apparently... Russian soldiers are not supposed to shoot at anything further than 150 meters away. And even then, it's kind of very risky. This, by the way, comes after the section of how basically a lot of bullets miss, and uh, with some random data about how many bullets per casualty there are in a standard modern-day war and all that whatnot. Again, they're more mostly afraid of um, artillery fire rather than bullets. And, uh, yeah, they also state that night visions are, you know, not that useful because you can just easily overwhelm them and there's a lot of factors that can mess them up. Because, obviously. I wonder in which Western kind of military instruction guide book you would hear the words that um, if someone's far away, then don't shoot at it, you'll miss anyways. And right after that, there's a little section about how to spot sniper fire, and that there's going to be always an observer and all that stuff, because that could actually kill you. However, well, not much attention is paid to it, unlike the artillery part. But uh, to the people who are from Texas or you know are just gun enthusiasts, this 150 meter, which is about 450 feet, you know that distance of no one can actually hit on it and it's pointless to shoot, that might seem laughable to you guys. If you're a talented marksman, then you can probably hit quite reliably from such a distance, and this is why snipers exist. But um, the book specifically states in its paragraph number 33, do not even try. Quote, even if you are an experienced marksman and you work in a unit, do not act upon the so-called hunt from your location. And um, the further lines, I mean... If I hadn't downloaded this from this Ministry of Defense website myself, I'd just be laughing right now, but you probably will be, which is why I'm going to definitely give you the link. Quote, your shooting will piss off the enemy really quickly, and then on the heads of your comrades, definitely there will be a blast of artillery and mortars of vengeance. Act either just as the unit does, or from a completely separate position. Which means that, yeah, you know, just uh, don't try to be a smartass. If you know how to shoot, the rest of you guys don't. The rest of them probably, if they had been conscripted, like I've mentioned in my previous episodes, probably have shot like three bullets there. So yeah, 150 meters. If you go closer, then it's, uh, then it's kind of weird. Hello there, and thanks for listening to another episode of The Eastern Border. Dear Patreons, thank you more than ever for supporting our show. Your donations are crucial to keep us going, and right now all of your money is going to securing good information for you and to fund Kristov's actual real-life mission to Ukraine to report to you live about the war that is going on there. Also, we would like to use this opportunity to urge you to donate to other organizations that are helping people escape Ukraine safely and to defend the country for those who decide to stay on the ground. One such organization we would like to highlight is the Defending Ukraine Together Come Back Alive movement. 
Launched in 2014, the Come Back Alive became the biggest organization providing support to the armed forces of Ukraine. You can donate directly from their webpage, comebackalive.in.ua. Remember that no donation is too small. In this situation, every dollar matters. Every cent matters. If you're uncomfortable with giving money to war, they do have a position on their website that they are providing Ukrainian army with laptops, lights, photo equipment, cables, and is not purely military. Perhaps that might change your mind, but remember you can also donate to strictly humanitarian organizations such as the Red Cross and others that are helping people escape Ukraine safely. Please also keep following us on social media for all of your latest updates on Eastern Border on places like Twitter and Facebook. Keep listening, keep yourself informed. That's all from me now. See you online. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And, uh, well, this is kind of also exacerbated with um, the part where they also kind of describe that there's a bit of trouble with the AK, which is a very good gun. However, yeah, you're, you've been given an AK, you won't be able to hit pretty much anything with this. This is kind of bizarre again. But so is all of this book. If this seems chaotic to you, like I said, I'm just going through the book in order. Commander's advice, random artillery, random propaganda, night vision not useful. Just so you could possibly hear the whole confusion that I'm going through right now. However, despite all the nuances of how you will definitely miss with your AK if you shoot further than 100 meters away, and uh, how, you know, don't try to jump out, of course, this is a Russian book. So, obviously, they had to put in a section about how Kalashnikov, no matter what, no matter the situation that you are not supposed to hit anything with it, unless you can see perfectly, together with some life hacks about how to shoot, is the best gun ever. This is another one of those great quotes that I like to portray you in full. Quote, The ingenious designer Kalashnikov created a reliable and a convenient machine in which there is nothing superfluous that could cling to something, interfere with, or create discomfort to the owner. The machine is perfectly balanced for its design peculiarities. Therefore, tuning the machine with all kinds of adaptations has no functional significance, but is an elementary show-off of people who are far away from actual participation in hostilities. And uh, here's the best part, and this goes out to all of you uh, veterans here. Quote, Picatinny rails injure palms. They cling to clothes and tear them. And when crawling, contribute to making your weapon dirty. Collimator sight, unlike the regular mechanical one, limits the view and does not allow the shooter to instantly transfer fire to another distance. On the day three or four, the aiming sight, 
collimator site will just get lost and will be loosened up in fixtures. Expensive suppressors and silencers do not contribute to increased accuracy. Instead, they disrupt the perfect balance of the weapon and make it much heavier. So, you know, um, not only you shouldn't shoot at the distance from the genius Kalashnikov, uh, but you also shouldn't really try to improve it in any way or form that could, uh, you know, make you able to shoot. Combining this with the fact that also this guidebook claimed that everything you need will be given to you in the conscription center. Oh boy. No wonder that, uh, well, just recently, well, if you remember from one of my episodes previously, there was this unit of um, conscripts that were protesting that they were sent into battle without equipment and preparations and that they're all going to die. Well, uh, yeah, at this point out of 117, only like 30 maybe are left or something. This just seems kind of weird, but hey, we're not even not even back to the best part yet. Just uh, skipping the things that are a bit too technical for my understanding, and I don't want to make mistakes here. However, now you know. If you use a collimator site, I figure that's the one with a dot in it, then you are disrespecting the machine spirit of glorious Kalashnikov. But, you know, the preparations of um, being in terrible conditions is very much a theme of this book. Quite a lot of it is spent just explaining how to make stuff that you will lack, namely socks, the book states that you should cut off from your shirt kind of a square with the sizes of 35 to 75 centimeters and then wrap it around your legs. And there's also some homemade options of how to how to get rid of lice and how to make from water filters and how to do everything, well, basically that a NATO soldier does with equipment that's specifically there for that reason, because it works. However, interestingly enough, um, they still sometimes try to glorify it. One of the things is um, part 45 of this book, called 150 Years in Order. Quote, in Tsarist and Soviet army, all the property of the soldier was packed in a duffel bag from tent fabric, which contained about 30 liters. As 150-year-old experience of its exploitation shows, there has been nothing better invented than this duffel bag. A genius yet simple construction. This is all sort of weird. Because, again, all the tactical boots. Useless. Cheap boots better. Weird stuff. Then they try to also explain that, hey, if you lack something, be happy, you'll have to carry less. I wonder how this fits in with the fact that the commanders shouldn't really, you know, allow you to lack things when you go to war. Because, well... It is war, after all. Then there's a section, of course, about how to filter water and uh, how to cook your own food out of nothing, really. And again, all sorts of practical things. I'll give you a recipe as well. I have to give credit where the credit is due, though. Out of all the things that are in this book, despite the weirdness and everything, they have some interesting ways of how to dig your own trench and how to hide it there from artillery fire. But I just still imagine a person who's been prohibited to fire at a, any reasonable distance and that has turned his shirt into his sock replacement unit. Oh, another interesting thing is that um, apparently the person in the squad who's always drunk and who's being dirty and throwing stuff around, he's the one to blame if the artillery actually strikes you. Again, all of this basically is just 
about how Ukrainians can just kill you with uh, just tapping on your tab and everything. Now, of course, they also try to improve morale, stating that, you know, if a bullet hits you, eh, you can you can probably manage and all that stuff. There's some basic first aid, but again, everything is all about the fact that uh, <laughs> artillery fire will kill you. Now, the interesting part is the section about how not to become a POW. Becoming a prisoner of war right now in Russia, oh, that's a crime. Especially if you've been given an order to do that, then your commander is in trouble. But uh, the section here, pretty dreadful. Again, besides the practical notes, kind of kicks you back in the realities of the war. Because, quote, we have all heard the bestial evil uh, towards our POWs that has been done to us by the Ukrainians and the mercenaries. This is just their fear towards the Russians. And to them, all of us, Chechens, Tatars, Buryats, and all the other nations, are Russians. We don't do that. Uh, case in point, you know, the castration things and all the situation. But yeah, if you somehow manage to become a POW, Ukrainians will torture you. Because obviously, they are uh, devil worshippers or something. Then there's a small section, quite poetic, about marauding, which they call in the Caucasus tradition, Bashkish. And, uh, well, the reason why you shouldn't do that is because apparently karma will get you. But um, nothing about how it's illegal and nothing about how marauding is harmful. Just that, don't do it. It's kind of a... It makes us look bad, basically. And in general, you know, don't be afraid. Wear your poor equipment. Don't try to shoot at anything too closely because then you'll get artillery. Ugh. I think this uh, this whole thing, this whole book, gives the impression that it's written not for professional soldiers, not for people who have been, you know, even mobilized in an army with preparations at hand. This book seems to be seems to be creating the impression that uh, if war randomly happens and you don't have anything at hand, except maybe your gun or something, then this could be an interesting guide on how to survive. Because all the practical parts of it are, well, things that as I've heard and as I know from what people have told me is that they are all things that should be there with you and that normal armies don't do that stuff. But yeah, in a way, you have to be thankful for the honesty of this book. I mean, the guys are not even trying to hide the fact that, despite the early intro where they stated that everything's going to be given to you, yeah, how to survive without literally anything. But there's the most important part, of course. Just like every every possible army, I suppose, and especially this one, one of the final sections is, of course, called The Most Important Thing Is That God is with us. And uh, apparently, that's um, some sort of special Russian god. Because there's a bunch of quotes about how dying in combat is the most valorous thing you can do, how you shouldn't be worried about dying in combat. But, you know, if it would be just the patriotic thing, then, uh, you know, then it wouldn't be Putin's approved guidebook. This section, which I'll read to you in full, is called, We're gonna go to heaven! But they'll just die. Just like Putin said. Quote, The fact that Russia, and we, its soldiers, are fighting today on the side of good, speaks the fact that thousands of Russians of all nationalities and different religions, without coercion, already funny, right? At the call of conscience became soldiers, to fight evil. This has happened only once in history. In the Great Patriotic War, where our grandfathers fought with rampaging fascism. Today we... 
Orthodox and Muslims, Buddhists and Shamanists in one formation are fighting against Ukrainian nationalism and world Satanism behind them. And maybe our president was not joking when he said that, quote, we as martyrs will go to heaven and they will just die. Probably Putin knew something. It wasn't yet ready enough to be revealed to everyone. Ah, good old-fashioned mysticism. And uh, notice how they skipped the Jews, because apparently the Jews are fighting on um, the Ukrainian side, because obviously devil worshippers, Satan, Jews, uh, seems to be the same thing for, um, for these guys who wrote this book. Now, of course, they have a nice little addition at the end. Basically, the final part of this is what to do if um, this book is given or somehow falls into the hands of the enemy. Quote, Let them read. Sooner or later, Ukrainians will become Russians again, because they have always been Russian. And then, more current fighters of the armed forces of Ukraine will save their lives. A special military operation will end, and the current Ukrainian military will again be shoulder to shoulder with the Russian soldiers to resist the West, who provoked this fratricidal war. Romanians and Finns fought together with the Germans for three years against the USSR, and then, as soon as the boot of a Soviet soldier set foot on their land, they turned their guns against the Nazis. It has always been so. So it will be this time. I guess someone didn't get the memo about how, um, you know, who's the Nazis here, because fanaticism and uh, obvious lack about everything. Yeah, that's kind of weird. So, besides all these practical advice and uh, truly bizarre statements about how everything is weird. They also have some prayers at the end, basic uh, guides of uh, how to do some aiming, and how to make everything just, you know, in printable form, and um, some recipes. One of them, by the way, is just um, how to stuff a potato in coal, and uh, how to basically create all sorts of weird soups. It's weird. This book is weird. But again... Hey, the main part is that uh, you really shouldn't try to shoot at something. I don't even know at this point how much of this is actually useful to someone. Some of these things are probably quite nice, but um, I don't quite much understand the whole reason of how the Russian soldiers are supposed to fight anything else besides Ukrainians who are mobilized as well with uh, the instructions on how to make soup out of nothing. And uh, how to basically, you know, show respect to your commanders, but uh, make them make them feel proper as well. In a lot of these cases in this book, it just states that, you know, if your commander is lost or, or hasn't done his job, then, you know, soldiers have to do everything on their own. There is uh, nothing about any meals ready to eat, or any, any resupplies, or anything of that sort. And hey, why would you need it, if you're basically prohibited to shoot anyways? Sorry, that was my biggest shock out of all this bizarre text. Since, you know, you've also probably heard all these propaganda statements about devil worshippers and everything else before. And that's it for today. I would really like to hear some of your own opinions about is a handbook like this useful to soldiers and how it can be actually used by someone. I don't know, this, uh, this was just like a scout handbook, just with more death. And again, I really don't think soldiers should be making everything on their own, but, uh, hey... If more soldiers of the Russian army who are now invading Ukraine and killing civilians and doing all sorts of nasty things and did they still somehow claim to be on the side of good and that God is with them? Yeah, if they uh, have to actually use some of this information there about how to deal with lice and all the situation. 
and that they will actually take into hearts that shooting is bad and that modifying Kalashnikovs with better sights and all that is useless and um, hey, maybe it'll turn out for the better. At any rate, next time we're going to have some news episode again and uh, as always, remember, happiness is mandatory. That's not in this book, although it should have been. And also the fact that someone was actually paid to write this. And probably they even meant well. I will, again, post the link. If you speak Russian, you can check it out yourself. It's pretty crazy stuff once you get past all the super technical things. Because again, there's this standard part and there are technical drawings. Those could be interesting to someone. До свидания, товарищи. Thank you for listening to the Eastern Border Show. If you have any questions or comments, go to our website, theeasternborder.lv, and leave a comment there. Or email us at theeasternborder at gmail.com. We'll be sure to answer. You can also follow us on social media and contact us there. If you enjoyed this episode, then leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and tell your friends about us. It really helps us grow the show. And remember, happiness is mandatory. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.